Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Praise the Lord for his presence. Y'all go ahead and go ahead and have a seat. My name is Erica, and I get to just be a sentry, just, just bring what the Lord has been putting in my heart, and hopefully, actually not hopefully, I know the Lord's word does not return void. So I'm just coming and bringing you what the God has given to me, and so I believe that he will be faithful to complete it. So, hey, uh, I wonder... Have you ever had this phenomenon where you're leaving work or you're leaving a friend's house and you get in your car and you start driving and then it's like all of a sudden you just pulled into your driveway and what in the world, how did I get from point A to point B? Like, did I blow any lights? Did I cut somebody off? Like, did I, how, how did I get here? Because your mind is like so full of all the things that we gotta keep together, right? Or, or, or maybe you're in a conversation with someone and, and they're looking at you and you're kind of doing the uh-huh, 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 and they're like, did you just hear a word that I said? Or maybe it's your kids and they're like, mommy, mommy, did you da 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 And you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But you're like, your mind is just so stinking full. You know, we have this thing where it's like, we have, we have just all these things, right? Like we, we've, we've got we've to pack our lives with, okay, like I got to, you know, put my work in first, make sure I get my computer. Like, okay, I'm going to study God and yep. And oh, uh, recipe planning and oh man, crash the chatterbox. There's just this thing in my head. It keeps going and parenting. I got to be a good parent and oh my goodness. And how do I love my kids well? And oh, here's some time with Jesus. And oh, you know, I got to make time for some fun. So like either reading Lord of the Rings or watching Netflix, you know, and oh, my marriage and my kids and how do I, you know, reconcile life with what God says and oh, budget. Oh my goodness. And Goliath must fall. And oh my goodness, there's all these things. And we kind of pack it up in our lives. And I don't know that I can even pack it all up. And we, we just carry this burden. It's just a lot. And it's heavy, right? It's just heavy on us sometimes. Back in November, I was having one of these moments where I had all of the things weighing on me. I was having a hard time with a coworker. My kids were driving me nuts. I love them so much, but sometimes, you know, it's just a lot. And, you know, I had, Brandon and I were going through a really, really hard time in our marriage, and, and that seemed really heavy. And I was just responding to anything and everything with frustration and anger. And I wrote out to the Lord, like, God, I'm just striving. This isn't working. I don't know how to do all of this. And I, it's just so heavy. And in that moment, I felt him say, hey, just come to me. Oh, okay, yeah, but God, like, there's all this stuff. It's just heavy, right? I mean, there's just a lot going on, and, like, nothing can change. It's not like I can lay it all down. I mean, I still have finances. I still have a marriage. I still have kids. Like, I got to do all this stuff, right? There's not much that can change. Now, fast forward. You guys, there's an amazing church allowed Brandon and I to go on a sabbatical. And that was eight weeks where we didn't come into work and we didn't think about being effective at all. It was an intentional time to just sit down with God and get marching orders from him again and remember that it's actually not on us at all. And we 
were remarkably over the top blessed to receive a one week all expenses paid vacation to Cancun. And before we went, we were like, oh, we should get some reading materials, you know, while we're sitting on the beach. And so I go to like the Christian self-help section at the library and this very bright orange book sticks out to me. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. He's a pastor out in Portland. Anyway, I was like, ruthless elimination of hurry. <laughs> I hurry a lot and there's all these things that I'm carrying. Maybe, maybe I could read this. Like maybe this would be beneficial for me. So in there, as I'm reading, and this is probably going to be a book that I read once a year, um, John Mark Comer, he, he suggests to us that we have a hurry sickness. And he lists out these things, these signs of our hurry sickness. And he says, uh, irritability, hypersensitivity, restlessness, workaholism, emotional numbness, out of order priorities, lack of care for your body, escapist behaviors, slippage of spiritual disciplines, isolation. And he suggests that this is a sickness that we all have. Are any of those applicable to you? Would you be bold enough to raise your hand? Yeah, right? It's heavy. This this life, this thing that we're going through, it's heavy and often we hurry cuz there's I mean there's just stuff to do, right? There's people to see, places to go, doctor appointments to get to, heavy, hard, circumstantial stuff. And and sometimes hurry is actually just the deeper issue of hurt, right? We just try and push through and add more stuff to my backpack because maybe if I just add more stuff to my backpack, like I just don't have to think about the hurt that's really at the, do- at the bottom of this. But all of that is actually ultimately pride and a lordship issue because we're saying, God, I I know that you're there, but I've got it, like I'll just take it, like I'm the only one coming, it's all on me, I've gotta make this happen, right? We try to hold it all together, we try to bear it all alone. And this is not a new thing, okay? Back in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 30, God is talking to the nation of Israel and Judah, and they're separated, and they're in the middle of all this strife, and he's looking at them, and he goes, hey, guys, hold on. He's, he's like, wait, you, you're trying to fix your own predicament? He says, you're carrying out plans that aren't mine. You're trying to form alliances with other nations. You're not consulting me. You're even trying to go back to Pharaoh, the very one who enslaved you in the first place. Oh, man, how many of us do that? We go back to the very thing that actually, it just numbs us more and makes us feel more heavy and more burdened, right? We look everywhere but to the king. And here is what God says to the people in Isaiah 30, 15. He says, this is what the sovereign Lord says, the Holy One of Israel. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness, and trust is your strength. Hey, I've, I've got the solution for you. Repent and rest. Get quiet and trust me. But you know what he says just after that? But you would have none of it. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You don't want my help? 
You want to form alliances. You want to do your own thing. You want to just bear the burden, hold it down, figure it all out. You would have none of it. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Joyful Christian, in his section on human pain, says, everyone has noticed how hard it is to turn our thought to God when everything's going well. The we have all we want is a terrible saying when all does not include God. We find God an interruption. As St. Augustine says somewhere, God wants to give us something but cannot because our hands are full. There's nowhere to put it. God has things for you and I, but we're, we're clenching too tightly. We would have none of it. We don't really want his help. We don't really want his insight. We're like, I've got this, right? So that was in the Old Testament, but then in the New Testament, Jesus is entering the scene and he's in the middle of the town square and he's been performing all these miracles and he's been healing people and he's been meeting with people and being present with them. And he says, he's like observing, this is crazy, y'all. He goes, woe to you, Chorazin and Bethsaida. If the same things that were done for you as entire and Sidon, like those people would repent, but you would have none of it. You're, you're like, I'm really right here. I'm in your town and you're not looking at me. You're not taking me in. And then there's another group that he talks to and he says, God, it's amazing to me that you've hidden these things from the wise and learned so there's the group of people who see Jesus and he's right there and they just ignore him. And then there's the group of people who see Jesus and who study all about him but don't have the heart transformation because their heads are too full of what they think. And then he says, but thank you that you've shown these things to the little children because when, when you do, the only way to know the father is to know the son. And when you come to me as a little child, and you get to know the Father through the Son. He says we can't see unless he lets us see, unless we come to him with childlike faith. But we would have none of it. That's what he's, he's like, listen, our fallen nature, we try to reconcile all of life's hardships by just holding on to it all, trying to solve the problems, trying to keep it all together, manage all that's to be done completely apart from God. The very salvation and strength that our hearts are actually longing for. We try to be our hero, but only Jesus gets to be the savior. Our way will only ever produce more weariness, exhaustion, bitterness, and professional coping mechanisms, right? But enter Jesus. This way, this backpack, all of the things, and even the things I couldn't even fit in, it's heavy. And Jesus enters in and he says, come. I have a new way for you. Come. Learn from me. Come. Find rest for your souls. So we're going to sit in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, where he says to you and me, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Oh man, this backpack's getting heavy. I could use some rest. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's a heaviness that we have right now, but Jesus is saying, I've got something that is easy and light, but you have to come to me. Now, I'd actually like to invite my husband, Brandon, up. He, during our sabbatical, um, we just, we, we, we felt the heaviness of a lot of people in our church. There's people who have lost siblings, people who have lost children, people who have lost parents, people who are going through the unthinkable and divorces or post-divorce thinking that things are going to get great and then it feels like it just kind of falls apart. There's just been a heaviness that we've sensed. And so Brandon wrote this song as like a, Jesus, this is really, really hard. Why is this so hard? It's, a, it's an honest lament to God regarding the heaviness of today. And there's a phrase in there that I just want to prep you for. We don't intend for it to be crass. But he says, it hurts like hell here in the end. And maybe you've thought that. If, I mean, like, if you could just kind of imagine just a little bit of what hell would feel like, this has got to be it, Right? It's hard and heavy, and I'm weary, and I'm downcast, and what in the world, God, are you doing? So I want to invite you during this time, as Brandon plays this song, to think about the heaviness that you're carrying around with you and to lay it down at the feet of Jesus and be honest and vulnerable with him about what he wants to speak to you through this song. Sound good? Take all the burden Take all the weight All of the pressure My God, come now Take all the pain Jesus, have mercy.
So take all my hurry Wear it all out All of my fury
you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. You may be thinking, wait, hold on, Erica, did you just say yoke? Yoke? Not the egg yolk, no. Okay, yolk. What, wait, yolk? Okay, that's a farming instrument, isn't it? Like, that's work. That's heaviness, right? Well, Jesus used this term because he wanted two different hearers to understand instantly what he was trying to say. He's saying, come to me and then take my yoke. And that yoke, you're right, if you know what a yoke is in the farming world, a yoke is, is a means to like put over two oxen or two horses to, to pull the load and, and you know, fix the fields and things like that. And, and in that time, a, a yoke, especially at that time, because it was just animals, not farming equipment like we have today, it would have like two humps on it. And an older oxen would come on one side and a younger oxen would come on the other. And the older oxen knew the ropes. He knew what he was supposed to do. So he would pull and he would bear all the weight. And it was the younger oxen's job to really kind of just be there and learn from the older oxen. So Jesus uses that metaphor. And then he also uses the other metaphor of a yoke, which the, the people in that time who, who would call themselves Jewish or Israelites, they would understand a yoke as like a way of teaching, a way of understanding the Torah. Anybody who led would have a yoke, and that was, that was their rule of life, their way of life. And so what Jesus is saying here in either of these the listeners would have instantly heard, oh, okay, so this is a master apprentice situation. This is a, there's someone who knows everything and someone who knows almost nothing and they get to walk alongside the master and learn from him. So that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, come to me, take my yoke, lay your heaviness down. I think of rabbis, they would have, this is not what they wear, but they have this thing that they wear over them, and that's like signifying that they're in charge. So I get to lay down, and y'all, this was getting very heavy with all those books. They're still in there. There's still the heaviness, but I don't have to bear it because I've got Jesus yoke on me now. I can lay it down at his feet. Jesus is saying, come, learn from me. Take it on. 
there were these, this group of people, they were called a, a Talmudim, and it's, it's anybody who comes up under the leadership of a master. And the Talmudim in that time, this is like Hebrew culture, it would be like a young man, and in, they would often like actually move in with the man that they wanted to learn from, and they would go everywhere that the, the priest led, and, and they would do everything that the priest does. Uh, I read that it would even like go so far as they might even enter into like the restroom area with him, not to watch, but to just hear, is he gonna utter a specific prayer before he uses the restroom? Like that, that was how intentional it was. Like, I'm gonna follow you everywhere. If you have a brand new puppy, you know your brand new puppy like follows you everywhere because they wanna just be with you and see what you do all the time, right? That's the Talmudim. If we're gonna call us ourselves Christians, or an apprentice or a disciple of Jesus, that's what it should look like for us. We should be walking with Jesus and following him everywhere and how does he do it and I wanna do it just like he does. That is the invitation that Jesus is giving us. He's saying, I have total abundant rest for you, an easy yoke and rest, but you gotta take my yoke. You gotta do things the way that I do them. So our bottom line today is that soul-transforming rest is found by walking with the master, just being with him. And so if true rest is found at the master's side, then we need to do what he does. So our points for today, you guys ready? An apprentice of Jesus responds to his invitation by exiting from the urgency to solve it all and entering in to God's presence. The very first thing that Jesus says in that verse is, come to me. That come to me supposes that you actually have to leave something else, right? You can't, you can't be like, okay, Jesus and, no, it's Jesus, and you follow him, and you go his way, and you get in the presence of the Father so that you know what the Father wants for you, right? Jesus modeled this so incredibly. It, 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 it like is mind blowing to me. Jesus like he's, he's of age now. He goes and he gets baptized by John the Baptist and that begins his public ministry. And you or I, if we have a job, the second we get a job, we like jump into that job and do it, right? Well, no, Jesus, the second he was baptized, he didn't instantly go out into the town and start healing and performing miracles. No, it says in Matthew 4, verses 1 and 2, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry. Yes, of course, you and I would also be hungry too, right, if we just fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. But the whole purpose of that is Jesus, after having the public commissioning by God, needed to get the private intentionality with God so that he could go and fulfill what the Lord wanted of him, right? You and I need that same thing. We have to get away with Jesus. We have to get away to understand what the Father has for us by exiting in this ruthless elimination of hurry, he calls it silence and solitude. A big part of it is getting away from everything that clouds your mind. This morning as I was preparing, I, was, I sat down at my desk and was reading the word and just felt like I need to get away from my desk. So I went and sat outside because all the things were swirling in my mind and I needed to step away from all of the busy in order to just focus on what God has for me. 
you and I need to step away. In order to do anything effectively, we need to be with the Father intimately. Spending time with him. Do you remember in the Isaiah verse, he said, in repentance and rest is your salvation. That word repentance, it means a turning away, but it it really actually means like a withdrawing. Stop trying to meddle with it all. Withdraw, repent, remember that you're not in control here anyway. And rest, that word is like a stillness, like just calm down. Stop with your frenetic pace and your frenzied mind. In repentance and rest is your salvation. We've got to withdraw with the Father. So if an apprentice of Jesus is going to respond to his invitation, we need to eject from the urgency to solve it all, enter into God's presence, and then number two, we need to entrust the plan and the pace to God. Take my yoke. Again, think back to the farming equipment. An older oxen knows this is not a young man's game. You go slow, right? It's hard work. You have to slow down. We have to listen to God and we have to do it in his timing. And that idea of taking my yoke suggests that we already had our own yoke. We were already trying to carry all of the burden by ourselves and we need to lay it down and take his yoke and understand his ways. John Mark Comer would call this Sabbath. And he would say, There's a literal Sabbath that's in the Ten Commandments. Just like you shouldn't kill anybody, you should also honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And one of the biggest reasons that we're supposed to do that is because in resting and setting aside an entire day where actually we're not supposed to accomplish anything, it writes our minds to the fact that nothing is actually dependent on you or I. God does it all. God accomplishes it. And we have to sit and rest in a day and enjoy his creation just like God did on the seventh day of creation. He rested and he saw that it was good. Take some time to take his yoke, to Sabbath, to rest in him and to observe what God has already done and put on a heart of gratitude and call it good. So, if we're going to apprentice to Jesus, we're responding to his invitation by ejecting from the need to kind of hold it all together, entering into God's presence, by entrusting the plan and the pace to God, and then actually by embracing the season we're in. The season and the people that God has placed before us. So he said, come to me, all you who are weary. Take my yoke upon you. And he said, learn from me. One of the things that I see as I read through the Gospels is just Jesus, he's just present, right? He's just with whomever is before him, he's present. Whatever God has placed in his path, he's present. He's embracing all that God has placed before him. And he's like, okay, this is what you have for me. Let's go. Let's do this. He's saying, learn from me. I've got a new way for you, a new way of life that produces deep soul rest. Watch what I do and do what I do. And guys, this is, these are rhythms. 
These are not rules. These are not hard and fast rules because how many of you know the second we call anything a rule, it like drains the life out of us, right? So we need to follow Jesus and just walk with him in these things. So again, in this book, he would say simplicity, simplicity. We need to embrace simplicity. Um, how I, I don't know the exact number, but there's a statistic out there that like back in the 50s, there were like 1,500 items in a, in a home, something like that. And now there's like more than 5,000. And I'm sure it's even more because I know some of you have like 30 pairs of shoes alone. And not knocking on your shoes, shoes are awesome. But like we have a lot of stuff, right? We just have a lot of stuff. I like recently went through my dresser because I'm like, I just don't have anywhere to put more shirts. Okay, it's time to get rid of some shirts, Right? We need to pare it down. Jesus, when he sent out his disciples, he's like, take your cloak, take your sandals. Don't even take money. Like, just go. Be ready. Be simple. Slow down the things that you're trying to accumulate because, listen, uh, you can't take it with you anyway, so live a simple life. One of the things that really convicted me in this book is he talks about um, our minds are just constantly being pulled in different directions, and one of the worst things is our cell phones. <sighs> Do we need people to have instant access to us at every moment, an instant response from us via text message every second of every day, or checking your emails and the dings and the notifi- notifications and the red dots on your phone and blah? No, we don't need that. We need to simplify. He says, like, let's turn our smartphones into dumb phones. So the second that I read this, I was like, that sounds good. I can't do all of it at once. But one of the ways that it started for me is you can actually, on your iPhone specifically, I don't know if it works for other phones, you can actually turn your phone to black and white and everything just looks black and white. And one of the reasons why you do that is because looking at something in color is like an instant dopamine hit, and we're addicted to seeing things in color. So like turn your phone to black and white, and it's, am- it's amazing how much it has changed my love for my phone. I completely got rid of all my social media apps. I even went so far because, you know, y'all, I had an addiction that I needed to go in and like make facebook.com and instagram.com like a banished website on my phone because I, I knew that I, like, I needed to not have this thing to just mindlessly scroll and take up the space that God actually wanted for other things in my life. So simplicity. Then stillness, a slow pace. I, I don't think I remember anywhere in the Bible, and Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, where Jesus is running I don't, I don't think I saw that. He's, he's just walking. And what we know about that culture is they didn't have cars. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have microwaves. Everything was slow, right? You had to take days and days journey to get from one town to the other. Now, Jesus, in his amazing holiness and perfection, like he probably could have teleported, but no, he lived within the limitations that you and I have too. And he just went slow. So some of the challenges in this book that I'm taking about going slow is maybe parking at the very last place in the parking lot at the grocery store or wherever you're going, picking the longest line at checkout, and then actually talking to the people that are in line with you. Maybe arriving 15 minutes early to any appointment and actually building extra time on the back of the appointment so that you just have space. I've been practicing some of these things, and y'all, it has produced a ton of rest in my spirit. 
Life has not actually changed, and the pace of life has not slowed down at all. But by being intentionally slower, I am feeling a peace and a stillness and an inner rest that if you would have asked me six months ago even existed, I would have told you, heck no, not in Western culture. Like, there's no way to do life slow. There is if you follow the master and you do what he does. And then I'm, I'm adding one on to this book because I feel like something that the Lord is highlighting to me as I'm going slow and as I'm removing distractions and as I'm Sabbathing and honoring him and remembering that I'm not in control and as I'm sitting in stillness and silence with him, I'm realizing he's got people for me to see. He's got people in my path that I need to love well and y'all, I need to repent to you as my church I have not done that well. In busyness and in trying to get different tasks done, I'm like, hey, how are you? And then I'm running. And I'm sorry. Because I know that there's things in your heart that you, you, need, you need to like let somebody else bear your burden with you. And so I want to do that. And it sparked in Brandon and I like, we, can, we should be having people over to our house more often. I should be stopping and praying with people on the spot and seeing them. And I don't know if you remember the story in uh, Mark 5 where Jesus, he's, he's in the middle of the town and this man runs up and he, it's, it's Jairus and he's like, my daughter's dying, you've got to come. And, and Jesus is like, okay, I'll go with you. So he starts and then he feels life zap from him because the woman with the bleeding issue touched him. And he didn't rebuke her, and he didn't say, hey, lady, leave me alone. I got other things to do. Jairus' daughter is dying. He was present with her. He was going slow enough that he could see the very people God had placed in his path. Christy Knuckles, in her book, The Life You Long For, Learning to Live from a Heart of Rest, says this. When we make others the matter at hand, cherishing community, before capacity, I believe this unlocks in us a soul-restoring joy and even an unexplainable contentment and rest as we treasure each other and together become the kingdom he's called us to be. Guys, there is miraculous rest available to us it's the very grace of God that he says, come to me, take up my yoke, set yours down, learn from me, get in my presence, and that's where you're gonna find your true soul reviving rest. Now imagine with me, these things kind of feel extreme, right? Like turning your smartphone into a dumb phone. I even actually went so far as to take my email app off my phone because I can just check it from a computer when it's time to check it, okay? I don't need to have it dinging me all the time. That is antithetical to culture right now, right? We need to, we need to have everybody have access to us constantly and we need to be rushing through life and we need to get all the things and we need to do all the things and we need to hold it all together and we need to just, whatever pain there is, just press it down because there's stuff to do. No. Jesus is saying, come to me, take my yoke, and I will give you rest because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Y'all, what would it look like 
If we were to walk through life without the heaviness just weighing us down constantly, what would it look like if instead of having our phones dinging us every time, we were just sitting at the dinner table looking at our children's faces and not distracted by everything else? What would it look like if you were sitting at your desk and your coworker just seemed off and you could actually slow down enough to go, are you okay? How can I be here with you? What would it look like? if we just continued to come to the feet of Jesus and let him bear it all. That'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We're gonna respond in just a moment with another song, and I invite you to stand up. And hey, if you want someone else to stand with you and pray with you right now, because the heaviness of today just feels so heavy, we're gonna have people on that side of the stage, on either side of the stage, just ready to pray with you, to, to love you, to walk with you, hand in hand, to lead you to Jesus and, and to say, let's do this together. Let's find Jesus' perfect rest as we come to his feet. Sounds good? Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, you are so good. And you are so gracious to us to not leave us where we're at to not just allow us to ignore you all together, but you beckon us. You just intentionally over and over again extend the invitation. Come to me and let me give you rest. Learn from me because I'm gentle and humble at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus, we respond to you now. In Jesus' name. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.